Hello and welcome to Solutions. This is the 10th episode of our second series of podcasts for solution-focused hypnotherapists. I'm Cathy Eland. And I'm Trevor Eddles, and we're both experienced solution-focused hypnotherapists. Today, we're looking at solution-focused brief therapy, what it is, its history, and how it works. So, Trevor, where shall we start? Well, the secret of SFBT is in the power of its questions. An SFBT therapist will never give a client advice. They will keep asking them questions until the client comes up with the solution themselves. That way, the client owns the solution and is more likely to follow their own advice than they are when it's imposed on them by an outsider. I suppose that explains why there are so many lists of SFBT questions. Yes, obviously. So, what you really want to ask the client is, what do you want? How will you know when you have it? What are you doing already to get there? And what would be happening if you were a little closer to what you want? Anyway, remind us of the standard format of an SFBT session, please, Kathy. Okay. SFBT uses the acronym MECSTAT for its sessions. MECSTAT stands for Miracle Questions, Exception Questions, Coping Questions, Scaling Questions, Time Out, Accolades and Task. I'm sure we're all familiar with scaling, the Miracle Question, Exception Questions and Coping Questions. We may not know the last three, so I'll run through them for you. SFBT uses a timeout to reflect on the developments of the current session. It's preceded by the therapist asking the client if there is anything that the therapist has not asked that the client feels would be important for the therapist to know. During this break, the client is complimented for their efforts during the session, i.e. accolades. The task comes from a brainstorming session where the client suggests behaviours that will help them move towards their goal. The therapist can then ask the client to try this new behaviour, that's their task, what we might call their homework. Yeah, and we talked about the miracle question in our ninth podcast last November. Anyway, let me tell you a little of the history of SFBT. In the late 1970s and the early 1980s at the Brief Family Therapy Centre in Milwaukee, Steve DeShazza, Insu Kimberg and their colleagues created this radical new approach of solution-focused brief therapy. That's what SFBT stands for. Their core idea was that whatever problem a client had come to therapy with, there always seemed to be an exception to the problem a time when it didn't happen or happened less or with less intensity. And this led them to believe that the client already had the seeds of a solution and didn't need the therapist to get them to do something different. All they needed to do was more of what they were doing during these exceptional times. The therapist's job was simply to find out what people were doing that was working and help them to do more of it. Of course, these ideas were built on the work of others. Milton Erickson, you've probably heard of, used the analogy of a person who wants to change the course of a river. If he opposes the river by trying to block it, the river will merely go around and over him. 
if he accepts the force of the river and diverts it into a new direction, the force of the river will cut a new channel. Ericsson also introduced a forerunner to the miracle question in which he asks the client to look into the future and see themselves as they wanted to be, problem solved, and then to explain what had happened to cause this change to come about. A second technique he used was to ask them to think of a date in the future, then work backwards, asking them what had happened at various points on the way. Similarly, Bill O'Hanlon, who worked closely with Ericsson, came up with other ways of getting a client to look to a future without their problem, e.g. a time machine or a crystal ball or a rainbow bridge or a letter from a future self. O'Hanlon called his less structured approach solution-oriented therapy and possibility therapy. There was also the Mental Research Institute, the MRI, in Palo Alto, California, which used a form of brief therapy that was based on the interactional view. With this approach, problems were thought to happen between rather than within people. Problems would appear when people responded to everyday difficulties in ways that made them worse. The way that a therapist worked was to identify what the attempted solutions were that had caused rather than solve the problems and then help their clients to do something else instead. Other people whose ideas fed into the SFBT include Gregory Bateson, Don Jackson, Paul Wazelwich, John Weakland, Victoria Stasich, and Jay Haley. According to Steve DeShazza, although the causes of problems may be extremely complex, their solutions do not necessarily need to be. In fact, one of the great discoveries of DeShazza and the Milwaukee team was that solutions had more in common with each other than they do with problems. Yeah, and of course, in the UK, solution-focused therapy was pioneered by Harvey Ratner, Evan George, and Chris Iveson. They established a brief therapy practice, which later became brief. In 2003, this group established the United Kingdom Association for Solution-Focused Practice, or UKASFP. And in the USA, there are many versions of SFBT, Elliot Connie's training might be the most well-known. Yeah, SFBT comes with some key assumptions. They are... Understanding the cause of the problem is not necessary to resolving it. Attempting to do so may unwittingly lengthen or complicate therapy. Yes, secondly, the client's attempted solution, e.g. avoidance in the case of anxiety, eventually becomes part of the problem. Therefore, changing patterns of response, doing something different, is fundamental to the approach. Yeah. Change happens anyway. However severe the problem, there are times when it is absent, less severe or intense. The therapist must help identify and amplify this change. Clients have resources and strengths that can be brought to bear in resolving the complaint. These are often overlooked in problem-focused approaches. Clear, salient and realistic goals are a vital factor in eliciting successful outcomes. Poorly defined or absent goals can prolong or complicate therapy. 
A small change is all that is necessary. Clients are frequently able to manage alone if the therapist can start the ball rolling. The client defines the goal and decides when therapy should end. Rapid change is possible, even where there is a history of persistent symptoms. The relationship between the therapist and the client is critical. Collaboration and a robust working relationship is more important than theory and expertise. Each client is unique in their skills, resources and the way they view their problem. There is therefore no one-size-fits-all solution. The focus is on the present and the future and where the client wants to go rather than where they have come from. SFBT sees resistance or hostility as a function of the relationship rather than the permanent disposition of the client. Yeah, interesting. Problem-free talk allows clients to talk about what's going well, what areas of their life are problem-free. It can be useful for uncovering hidden resources and often uncovers clients' values, beliefs and strengths. From this, a strength from one part of their life can be transferred and generalised to another area where a new behaviour is required. SFBT principally uses questions and compliments to identify a client's goals, help the client create a detailed description of what their life will be like when the goal is accomplished, and the problem is either gone or coped with satisfactorily. By identifying exceptions, i.e. times when some aspect of the client's goal was already happening to some degree, the therapist can help the client come up with appropriate and effective solutions. Yeah. SFBT identifies client competencies, i.e. any behaviours by the client that contribute to moving in the direction of the client's goal. How did they manage to achieve or maintain their current level of progress? Are there any recent positive changes? And how did the client develop new and existing strengths, resources and positive traits? One problem many SF therapists face is that some clients will want to keep coming back to their problem. They might keep saying, yes, but to every positive the therapist finds or each question presupposing success the therapist poses. The secret in this situation is for the therapist to phrase their question in such a way that acknowledges the client's recent difficulties in the hope that the client won't need to repeat those difficulties as part of their answer. So, for example, the therapist might ask, given that it's been difficult for you recently, how have you managed to... Dot, dot, dot. Yeah, clever. When one problem with asking questions is they might reply saying... They don't know the answer. Often a don't know answer indicates that the client hasn't thought about this question before. It's important not to make the client feel defensive or they'll never move from the don't know answer. You could ask them what they think the answer might be. Perhaps better to ask what small change a significant person in their life or pet who knows them very well might notice. Because the personal pet knows them so well that they are bound to notice any change. And it is easier for the person to answer that question. And so you have successfully moved on from the don't know answer. Mm, good. Um, 
The SFBT model is a natural fit for helping children, writes Insu Kimberg in a book, Children's Solution Work. It's interesting to note her assumptions about the child. Insu states that since children are not always able to articulate their needs easily, she believes that all children want to have their parents be proud of them, please their parents and other adults, be accepted and be part of a social group, be active and be involved in activities, be surprised and surprise others, voice their opinions and choices, make choices that give them opportunities. And I think these assumptions will be helpful in our solution-focused hypnotherapy sessions. It is easy to see that building a relationship is a natural outcome of positive regard towards the child. Good, yes. The closing part of the session is important because it provides a way to maintain the client's autonomy. They are not relying on the therapist to come up with all the answers. So a good thing to say would be, thank you for coming. I hope it was useful. Before our next session, I want you to look for evidence or signs of change. Remember, a change is only a change if it's noticed. Once a client notices a change, they're able to achieve more changes. Yeah, good. You can also ask whether they think another session would be useful. The client will say yes or no, and then you can arrange a date and a time. So the session ends by maintaining client autonomy and preparing the client for change. Brilliant stuff. Well, that's about it from us. I hope that helps you see what techniques SFHs can borrow from SFBT. And next time we'll be looking at the blood-brain barrier. And until then, if you celebrate, have a really great Christmas and a Happy New Year from me, Cathy Eland. And the same from me, Trevor Eddles. See you next year. Bye. Bye.